good afternoon. And on behalf of the Manufacturer and Business Association and Money Radio WPSE, thank you for joining us for Business Today with the MBA. I'm your host, Karen Torres, Executive Editor of the MBA Business Magazine. And I'd like to welcome a special guest to the studio, Dr. Adrian Dixon, President and CEO of Sarah A. Reed Children's Center, headquartered here in Erie, Pennsylvania. Welcome, Dr. Dixon. We're so glad you could join us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being on the show and being having the opportunity to talk uh, with you today. Well, we know the MBA has a great relationship with your organization. We're glad you're here. And you're going to talk about some very important information about women in leadership, as well as diversity, equity, and inclusion as it relates to business today. But before we get started, we'd like to familiarize our listeners with your background. So Dr. Dixon, you know, you have a unique perspective on leadership, following in the footsteps of pioneer Sarah A. Reed, and as the first woman of color to lead the agency in its 150 year history. Tell us about how this has inspired you in your current role. You know, as I um, think back to our founder, Sarah Reed, you know, it, it really has inspired me that I think about, you know, the grit and the tenacity that this woman had. She was an incredible trailblazer. We might refer to her as a Renaissance woman. And really, when you think about what she and the women who came together with her, how she leveraged her relationships and partnerships at that time to get them to come together and help her with this great mission and take that on is just extraordinary. And so for me, I think about during that time period, you know, she had to really operate in a, in a space of resiliency and, and look at her ability to overcome the adversities, the challenges that were happening. When you think about the Spanish flu, when you think about, you know, coming off the heels of so many challenges and controversies across um, our communities as we were trying to figure out our, our identity as a nation. And my journey or my reflection on this is just really goes back to what she was able to accomplish and how that's similar in today's world. And, and even my own journey about, you, you know, looking at partnerships and relationships, but certainly as being the first woman of color, I think that, you know, this is an, an interesting time where the world is talking about diversity, inclusion, and equity and what that looks like and the implications of that in our communities, as well as what that means about leaders who operate in that capacity and what we bring to the table and some of the challenges and obstacles, whether they, they're not necessarily the physical things that she experienced, but cer certainly the social cultural challenges are, are similar in today's world. And I know Dr. Dixon, you know, you have a rich history, even when you uh, talk about your grandmother had such an influence on you and your leadership role going forward. Can you tell me a little bit about that too? Sure. You know, my, my great grandmother actually was born in 1890. Her mother had, um, was born in the South. She was, she was, uh, born and raised in Savannah, Georgia, and it had a tremendous impact on me in terms of, you know, her experiences and how those experiences translated or transferred to how she reared her children, grandchildren, 
you know, she had a sixth grade education, but she was one of the most intellectual, powerful women that I knew. And, you know, her words were always incredibly encouraging. You can do whatever you want to do. You can be whoever you want to be. And I actually remember as a very young child, her always asking me these questions like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What are you going to do? And there was no limitation to what that was. She and her siblings, you know, experienced a great deal of adversity and challenges um, as they, you know, were born in the South and had to navigate through a Jim Crow era, you know, in terms of her her mother's experience and what that looked like in the South and, and some of the limitations about being a person of color and her travels from the South to the North and how she really instilled in her her children and then in their children and, and, and so on, that education was important and that to overcome challenges, um, that you have the ability to overcome challenges and particularly when you leverage relationships. And one of the things I remember most about my grandmother is how she partnered with her community and was seen as an icon there and instilled that the presence and the gift of helping others and um, being a part of community. And it certainly has steered you in the right direction with your leadership journey. I know with the Sarah Ray Children's Center, you have so many areas where you're helping the families in our community, the children in our community, focusing on prevention, early identification, care and treatment of children and families struggling with life traumas. So tell us more about the center and its impact here in the area. Yeah, you know, Sarah Reed has had a tremendous impact. We have over 300 employees. We impact, you know, hundreds of families on a daily basis. We have uh, a full continuum, a robust continuum of services that include a psychiatric residential program that has five units on campus. And these children are referred to us because of the level of acuity and, and the intense needs that they have and that they cannot be met in their home communities. And then we also have a partial hospitalization program that is in Erie County, but serves even our outlying counties and communities, our rural communities. So even, you know, predominantly we work within, uh, we have students who come from the city of Erie and Mill Creek. However, we also serve the surrounding communities as well. So those kids that come there, they come and they're engaged in clinical services. They have psychiatric care, counseling services, but they're able to return to their homes and you know be a part of their community. So we're able to support those children and families in a, if you would, a day treatment context but allow them to remain in their communities, their core communities. We also have an outpatient program and provide additional in-home or in-community-based services. So from our outpatient, we have what we would call uh, IBHS services that may be able to go into homes or other community-based environments to provide those services. And we also have partnerships with a number of local school districts where students are not necessarily coming to us, but we partner with them and maybe in their school buildings and in their communities providing those services, whether they're assessment services, counseling services, consultation, and just general supports around emotional and behavioral concerns. You certainly are having an impact in our community and on those young lives. And I 
definitely think when we talk about leadership and diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, employers are looking at that more and representation. And I know as an organization, you have such an impact and you can really impact the community and the families in this aspect. How much does DEI matter to your organization? You know, we are certainly committed to knocking down those barriers and, and fostering advantages for not just our employees, but in our community. We want to have a significant impact on one's overall sense of belonging and, and looking at creating those cultural shifts that are, you know, are vital to people's um, sense of overcoming their challenges. Rather, And so even though we're a behavioral health entity and look at emotional well-being, one sense of identity is, is connected to that. So we recognize that in order for us to provide essential, effective services, that that has to include one's sense of self and looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion is critical. So we're looking at ways that we leverage the playing field for our employees as well as our consumers and stakeholders that we're working for. And we are we are very much committed to that. We've done a lot of work around this issue that's really spanned decades. It's not necessarily new. When I came to Sarah Reed, it was we were one of the, the organizations that looked at how do we create and look at who was in leadership roles in our organization? How do we provide and educate our, our staff members to better respond to this, um, to these needs around cultural competence and cultural humility and, and responsiveness? And then, you know, even yesterday, we launched our first women's initiative. We had a women's breakfast. We're recognizing women in our organization. There were two awards given, the Spirit of Sarah Award and the Legacy, Sarah Legacy Award. And those are important because, again, we see the changing, the changing landscape for women. And we want to make sure that when we're looking at diversity, we're looking at it across a number of issues from gender to gender orientation and, and gaps around racial and ethnic kinds of challenges that we've seen globally, nationally play out. And as an organization, other organizations look to you. I know in 2021, you held a virtual diversity program for care providers. And tell us about the demand and reception of that program and since then. You know, that um, summit was well received. We were incredibly grateful that the acting medical director at the time, Dr. Denise Johnson, joined us in, in launching that and recognizing the implications of why that's important. We have participation across the state and even some folks outside of Pennsylvania who were members and, and engaged in that summit. I think that the, the feedback that we received from the community, both in the mental health and the behavioral health field as well as the community at large responded very positively about why we did it and the, the value that it added to the community, especially at a time when there continued to be heightened concerns around social justice issues, social cultural and social political dynamics. It, it, it was well received and, you know, we're you know, well on our way to planning this year's 2022 Diversity Summit and excited about the work that the team is, is doing to pull that together. Do you have the dates of that, Dr. Dixon? 
at this time, we are waiting for a special guest. We hope yep. will respond. We do know that the time frame is targeted in July. However, we're wanting to be a little flexible if we can secure, and I don't want to say the name, but we're looking for a special guest and hoping, hoping that we can land them for our keynote. So I think our dates will actually center around their availability. But at this point, they're targeting the second week in July. Well, that sounds good. We'll be excited to hear who that is that is coming, that speaker. And I wanted to tell everyone, you know, speaking of speakers, you're going to be the keynote speaker here at the MBA on April 7th for our Women in Leadership Impact event. And you've also been a guest speaker on DEI at Columbia University. What are some key aspects of your presentation that our members will want to hear? You know, I'm hoping that what people will want to take away or, or, or will respond to is looking at how we build and foster successful organizational culture that produces a narrative, a healthy narrative of productivity and sustainability, especially when you talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And what are some of the things that help to increase or enhance the ability to create or foster those creativities with your teams and really develop and um, glean more diverse initiatives or, or innovative talent pools. You know, what we know is that iron sharpens iron, right? And so diversity draws diversity and produces innovation and creativity. So we're, we're really looking and hoping to talk a lot about that and how to reduce turnover and increase one's sense of belonging and their sense of engagement through purpose and how that all centers around a healthy organizational narrative and and I believe our narrative and our identity as a sanctuary organization helps to navigate that platform and helps us around those areas. And so part of the discussion will be talking about those things. And Dr. Dixon, I know you had mentioned that by women in leadership, DEI, it's so important for employers to learn about that in regards to recruiting and retention climate we're in. Can you tell us a little bit more? And also, I wanted to make sure our listeners are aware of what sanctuary means, because it is a culture. Absolutely, thank you so much. Sanctuary is a certified treatment and model that is a cutting edge organizational trauma model that was developed by Sandra Bloom, and it guides our organizational culture. So it's critical when we look at how we engage the community around our trauma-aware, trauma-informed identity. Our sanctuary identity is the sanctuary organization is a international organization. We've been a member and we're actually a, you know, certified, meaning that we have achieved a number in our process that we meet standards that speak to how we operate internally and that we've met the rigor of what those standards are. And, you know, one of the things we're incredibly proud of is that we're one of the first organizations in the western region of Pennsylvania to be a sanctuary certified organization and that really sanctuary is something that we resonated with it was part of our identity for a long time it just gave us shared meaning and shared understanding we operate around seven core principles of of social responsibility emotional intelligence nonviolence, open communication. These are all things that are important values of our organization, not just in terms of how we operate organizationally within for our stakeholders, but how we engage in the things that we look to be a part of outside of our organization and the impact that we have on our community. 
And that certainly plays a role in that women in leadership DEI aspect, the climate, the culture that you have at your organization for our employers who are listening today. Is there anything else? I know you have so many great things happening there and so many great programs and so much involvement in the community. Is there anything you want to add, anything upcoming that you want to mention? You know, at this time, we have a number of things. Certainly, this is our 150th anniversary, so what a great time to celebrate women and to talk about the historical barriers and challenges that we know have been rooted in organizational culture, but also looking at a way that we recognize and support the impact that the Children's Center has had on our community. So we'll be engaging in a number of initiatives around our 150th celebration. We're looking at, you know, as we move forward, events that we participate as a community. Certainly, when we go into May and look at, you know, Mental Health Awareness Month and talking about some initiatives and our partnerships, we don't have necessarily anything, a formal event schedule, but we'll be engaging and partnering with our colleagues in our sister organizations across the county and the communities. Well, Dr. Dixon, I feel like I could talk to you all day. You always have such exciting things to share and a great perspective. And that was great information. And we're glad you could join us. And we look forward to hearing more from you during the MBA's Women in Leadership Impact Briefing on April 7th at noon. And it's going to be held virtually and in person here at the MBA in Erie. And if any of our listeners would like more details or want to register, visit mbausa.org. I'm Karen Torres signing off for Business Today with the MBA. Have a great afternoon.